This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Odette Youssef in for Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. The Delta variant is now the dominant strain of COVID-19 around the world. Here in the U.S., cases and deaths are rising almost entirely among unvaccinated people. And younger patients? They're showing up in ICUs. In neighboring Missouri, some hospitals are dealing with the sharpest surge in COVID-19 yet. So why is this variant spreading so quickly? And what can we learn from what's happening in Missouri? Atlantic staff writer Ed Young won a 2021 Pulitzer Prize for his coverage of the pandemic. Ed, welcome back to Reset. Hi, thanks for having me. I'll just say that, Ed, your writing has been uh, just fundamental to how I have understood the virus and navigated through all the uncertainty of the last 18 months. So thank you very much for your reporting on this and congratulations on the Pulitzer. Oh, thank you so much. So what are some of your uh, biggest takeaways from reporting on the pandemic over the last year and a half? Oof, <laughs> big question. Um I think we still seem to be making the same mistakes in terms of our response to the pandemic again and again. And it's a very difficult story to report on because often we end up saying the same things again and again. Um, So what's happening in Missouri, the subject of my latest piece, is a great example of that. Um, I spoke to healthcare workers and public health professionals there, and the stories I've heard are almost identical to what I was hearing at the start of the fall last year in other places that were hard hit, like Iowa and Nebraska. Um, Once again, healthcare workers are exhausted. Once again, their emergency rooms and ICUs are full. But it's almost worse this time because there are um, extraordinarily effective vaccines, um, plural, available to people. Um, and yet, you know, here we are again. Um, I think a lot of healthcare workers who are still exhausted from the last year and a half are now even more tired, more indignant, um, just angry and frustrated that they're back in this place where they're watching their patients die in front of them and that most of those cases, um, most of those infections and deaths could have been prevented. So your latest story takes a look at how this Delta variant is is hitting our neighbors hard in Missouri. Can you paint the picture a little bit more fully for us? How did things get to where they are now? One of the biggest hospitals in Springfield, Missouri, in the southwest corner, accumulated as many patients in just five weeks that it did in five months last year. Um, The other big hospital had uh, the same growth of of, uh, patients. And I think there are several factors at play here. One is unquestionably the Delta variant and its extreme transmissibility. It is far more transmissible than the original virus was. The other is the fact that people, I think, have lowered their guard. Whatever small proportion of people were wearing masks uh, has become even lower. People are once again traveling, um, treating um, the pandemic as if it was over. And then finally, vaccination rates are very low um, across Missouri as a whole. 
the vast majority of um, counties have yet to fully vaccinate 30% of people. In the southwest corner, Springfield Green County, the epicenter of this um, uh, surge, has vaccinated just 40% of people. And in many of the surrounding counties, only 20% of people or fewer have been vaccinated. That's just too low. And we're now starting to see exactly what happens when a super transmissible variant like Delta tears through a largely unvaccinated community. Tell me a little bit about what staff are noticing, uh, what hospital staff are noticing about COVID-19 patients this time around. So every person I've talked to has told me that patients seem to be younger as a whole than they were last year. Now, to some degree, that's expected because elderly people were more likely to get the vaccines. And so the virus now has a younger pool of um, vulnerable hosts to infect. But that being the case, all the people I spoke to also said that the young people they see this year are sicker than those they saw last year. So a 30-year-old in an ICU now tends to be in worse condition than a 30-year-old who went into an ICU last year. And there are just more of them. So young people who were previously healthy are getting the virus and getting very sick with it, which is, I think, very alarming. A lot of people still have this belief that COVID is only a disease of the elderly. And if you're young and fit, you're fine. That's not the case. It hasn't been the case for a long while. And it very much is not the case now. Ed, I'm thinking back to the earlier days of the pandemic and how, you know, the messaging really was, even if you were young, it was important to take uh, precautionary measures, just uh, such as masking, because you could pass the virus along to somebody else who is less physically able to fight the virus. Is it the case now that the people who are, you know, not taking precautionary measures then are actually the more likely ones to contract the disease? Well, I think that that original messaging was always a little flawed because it was clear that young people still could get severe infections. And we know that younger people, so say in their 30s, 40s, 50s, are also that prime age group for getting long COVID, so for getting um, infections that don't send you to an ICU, but that can cause debilitating effects on your life for a long, long time. Um, and there's just not enough conversation about that. You know, it's not just the case that the virus spares you or kills you that can do a lot of damage even without sending you to hospital. And, you know, I would expect to see much more of that now as Delta moves its way through unvaccinated communities. But, you know, part of what you said is is absolutely right, that we should make our decisions not just based on our own personal risk, but on our risk of infecting those around us and passing the virus to vulnerable people, to our loved ones, to our community members. And I think that's sort of what we're, we're seeing. You know, obviously, there are many reasons why people aren't vaccinated. Some people still don't have access. But if you choose not to vaccinate, you're not just making your choice for that choice for yourself. You're also making choices that reverberate to the people around you. So, you know, Ed, your your recent article notes that it's not only uh, this Delta variant that is sending uh, higher numbers of people to hospitals, but this uptick is also coming at a time that there were already backlogs of patients at hospitals. Can you tell me a little bit about why there was that backlog and how are staff members now handling this? Yeah, I, I think there is this common misperception that um, healthcare workers are only stressed when there are COVID surges. 
And that's not the case, because if there is a COVID surge, then a lot of other care has to be postponed. And that backlog of surgeries and other procedures, that's what healthcare workers have to deal with in the quieter times when the rest of us get to, you know, enjoy some sense of normalcy again. So all the folks I've spoken to in southwest Missouri, they just got past that winter surge and they were then starting to play catch up. They were dealing with that backlog of cases. And now they have to deal with that backlog on top of this new surge that is happening. So many of the healthcare workers I've spoken to around the country just really haven't had a break since almost like last spring or last summer. They've just been working nonstop like crushed between either COVID surges or catch-up work. And when COVID surges happen, there's so much else that doesn't get done. There's normal routine care that doesn't get done. Like, it's not just the case that if you've got COVID now, you've, you've got problems. This is a very bad time to have a heart attack in southwest Missouri at the moment, because if you're going to go into a hospital, you're going to struggle to, to get the same level of care that you might have done at a time before the pandemic, because everyone is so exhausted and so overworked. So, Ed, as the Delta variant continues to spread, what does Missouri's situation tell us about how the pandemic could pan out for other largely unvaccinated communities? I think it's a harbinger of what other parts of the U.S. might see. And we're already seeing signs of of that um, in other parts of Missouri, in in Arkansas, in Florida. Um, There are a lot of areas of the country where vaccination rates are very low and too low to make a huge difference in in curtailing the spread of Delta. Even in places where vaccination rates are much higher than in Missouri, I don't think we should let our guard down. The the problem is that unvaccinated community people tend to cluster both socially and geographically, and they create these pockets of vulnerability through which the virus can spread. We've seen signs not only in Missouri, but in other countries in the world, in, in the UK, for example, of just how much um, damage this very transmissible form of the coronavirus can do to communities that haven't accumulated enough vaccinations. So what did you learn about ongoing vaccination efforts in Missouri? Um, How are, you know, public health professionals trying to address the barriers to vaccine access or to combat vaccine hesitancy there? So I'm glad you talked about vaccine access. Um, uh, While most adults are still currently eligible for a vaccine, Getting one is is not always that easy, especially if you live in poorer neighborhoods, if you're part of marginalized communities. Some people um, just can't seem to take time off to actually get vaccines or then re- uh, recover from the um, side effects of that. In southwest Missouri, in the epicenter of the surge, um, the public health department folks who I've spoken to say that they've made special efforts to try and um, improve access to make sure that people have nearby vaccination sites they're fairly confident that they've addressed those issues. And so they say that much of what they see now is more to do with resistance. It's more to do with scepticism and hesitation. And for that, I think a lot of people's attitudes around the vaccine have become very, very entrenched over the last six months. Um, it's sort of so much tied into their political identities, into the, the, the values and the beliefs of their communities. And to change people's minds and it's no use just to hector them or to give them stats. I think you need to build trust. And that's what 
folks who I've spoken to in the public health department are trying to do. They're trying to use trusted voices to reach out to their neighbours and community members, whether that's firefighters or pastors or even people's neighbours going around door to door. It's very much a one-to-one thing now. It's about people trying to convince their loved ones and their communities to get vaccinated. And the problem is that that's, that's the right strategy, but it's slow. And as we've already said, Delta is very, very fast. Missouri state officials have reached out to the White House for some help to battle outbreaks that are driven by the Delta variant. Um, what kind of help is the state receiving and, and is it enough? They've um, asked FEMA uh, and the HHS for an additional medical site, so just more facilities for treating people because the hospitals are um, are so overwhelmed. I actually don't know the latest on that, whether the um, to, what the status of that request is, but I think it's a worrying sign that they need to make that request in the first place. I think that they, with they and a lot of others, thought that the days of the pandemic overwhelming healthcare systems was over. And clearly that is not the case. Clearly there are going to be communities in the country for whom 2021 is going to be worse than 2020. You know, the CDC has sent a surge team to help the public health department, but that's just two people. There is a lot of work that needs to get done, I think, um, not just now, but in the aftermath of the pandemic to try and strengthen our healthcare systems and especially our chronically underfunded public health systems in the wake of future epidemics, future pandemic threats. Um, But of course, first we have to, to get past this. Just briefly, I was fascinated by the parallels you drew in your article to the 1918 flu pandemic, which Mm. also took Missouri by surprise. You made a point in there about how uh, that pandemic perhaps seemed a lot more personal and close to people's lives than this one does. Can you talk a little bit about um, why that was and, and why it doesn't seem to be so today? Yeah, so Missouri turns out to be home to an anthropologist who's actually studied um, the 1918 pandemic. And she told me that Back then, local newspapers, of which there were many, were publishing sick lists, so names of people in local communities who had got sick and who were dying from that virus. There's much less of that right now, partly for reasonable reasons of you know, restrictions on patient information, but also because there are just there's just a few there are fewer local papers, fewer local sources of information, and I think as a result, it's possible that. For all the advances of the last century, people might be less clued in to what's going on at a local level, level, um, less aware of how this pandemic is affecting their communities. All the healthcare workers I spoke to talk about exactly this dynamic. They see um, Mm -hmm. horrors in their ICUs. They go outside the hospital and they go to the supermarket and see everyone going about their daily lives, barely believing that the pandemic is a problem. And I think that's contributing to the low morale and to the sense of disillusionment and frustration that they're all feeling. That's Pulitzer Prize winner and Atlantic staff writer Ed Young. His latest piece is called How the Delta Variant is Driving a Wedge Through Missouri. Ed, thanks for your time today. Thanks so much for having me. The COVID-19 pandemic has continued to morph and change since the beginning, and so has the information needed to keep you and the people you love safe. Reset has followed those changes and continues to give you the best, most up-to-date info on the pandemic. 
Stay informed by subscribing to this podcast and tuning in to 91.5 WBEZ and WBEZ.org. I'm Odette Youssef. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you back here tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.